have a couple organizations with us uh, that are just so incredible. And um, they're foster care. Those of you that don't know this, May is Foster Care Awareness Month. And you say, oh, well, you know, I don't have that much experience with foster care or I don't feel called to foster care. Well, the reality is you actually are called to foster care because the scripture says we are. It says make sure you live a life. Like part of being a part of the kingdom of God is that we live a lifestyle that's involved in taking care of the widow and the orphan. Can I get an amen? And so too many times in Christianity, they say, oh, the, 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 the widow, the orphan, oh, that, that's for the foster care people over there to do their thing. No, no, no. We all do our thing. And, and our thing is, is, is not only helping where we can, <clears throat> prayer, believing, supporting, encouraging, but it's also having the information. And so we're putting some organizations up in front of you so that you can know how God is moving in the foster care community. Because I believe that you're called to do a lot more than just round up your meal at Wendy's for foster care kids. Can I get amen today? And so we're going to talk about it, and I can't wait for you to hear about it. So please help me welcome the team that's going to be up here today. Come on, give it up as they come up here. I'll, uh, I'll introduce them here to you. Uh, Mel is down here. Many of you know Mel. She's a part of our outreach center, but uh, mostly what she does is she now runs the West Side uh, Camp for Love for a Child foster care camp. I'm going to have her share in just a minute about what that looks like. Uh, someone new to our church, you heard me just mention uh, Michigan Foster's organization. This is Tiffany, and she's going to be sharing in a minute, but she would be new to our church. Incredible stories. You're going to love to hear the way that God is using her organization. Lisa here, you will have met before if you've been with us for quite a while. Uh, she's a part of Hope Packages and just done some amazing things uh, in our community, continue to, and uh, we've had the opportunity to be a part of that over the past few years, and so she's going to share as well, but can't wait for you to just hear this and know. I actually had a guy say after first service, because truly, I actually feel this pressure uh, when I don't preach a sermon, because, you know, religious folk are like, where's the sermon, pastor? <laughs> and so I had a guy say to me in the hallway, he came across the hallway, he said, that's the best sermon that was never preached. Isn't that great? I was like, man, I love that. And, and he just said, what a great what a great service and a thing that we need, need to hear and know about. And so that's what you get to do. So I'm going to have Mel share a few things, and then we'll, we'll have Lisa, and then we'll have Tiffany close. But I can't wait for you to hear how God is making an impact in our community. So Love for a Child is a summer camp program that um, is new to West Michigan. For those of you who don't know, I see a lot of new faces, so you might not have heard about us before. Um, we take 40 children to summer camp, and these kids come from a, um, a history of massive trauma, abuse, neglect, and abandonment. Most of our kids have 10 or more home placements before the age of 10, as well as five um, documented and reported cases of abuse, whether sexual, physical, or emotional. Um, and we had our first training last week. We take 60, about 60 trauma-trained staff with us for these kids, and it was incredible. But even more so, um, we officially, as of last week, found and confirmed our 40th child. So all 40 kids are coming to camp. Not only that, and I... I, I know this is going to be both exciting and heartbreaking. Um, we have actually 23 children on our wait list for Westside Camp as well. So um, that means all of those kids, all 40, all 23, fit into that category, and they are all in within a 20-mile radius of this place right here right now. So um, heartbreaking, hard, and incredibly motivating too. 
Love for a Child was asked to uh, come to a meeting at Michigan Fosters, um, I don't even know how many months ago, and it was there that I got to meet these sweet people, and not only that, but many, many other people who are boots on the ground within foster care, um, whether it's case managers, um, agency workers, foster parents, or people who are a part of different organizations um, that involve foster care. And what I love is that these women who are here, um, you know, their main goal is to bring people together for a common good of these kids. Uh, we want to we wanna support these kids in, in the best way possible. And they're going to share some pretty incredible information with you and stories with you guys, but what I love most about them is that they don't just see the need and just talk about the need, they are stepping into action. And they are not just saying, oh, we're gonna talk about the stuff that stinks. Um, they're gonna do something about it. And it's some of the most powerful stuff that's being done in our community right here. So thank you guys for being here and we can't wait to hear your stories. Would you give it up for Lisa? Maybe I'll sit this time then. <laughs> Um, yes, so I'm Lisa Hoovey and um, from the Holland area. Uh, our family has been fostering on and off for I think seven, eight years. Um, brand new at it, we realized that a lot of kids would come to your home, maybe strange hours of the day, night, and they would have nothing. Um, they were removed from obviously a, a hard situation and um, we just thought it was kind of crazy that they had zero belongings. Um, we had a little five-year-old girl come with her white kitchen trash bag that she had the opportunity to pack some things in, so she had selected a few toys. Um, when you're five, you're probably not thinking about clean clothes for the next day or anything like that. So, um, yeah, as we were new, we started to realize that this is kind of common, and um, it's, it's not great to see. And we kind of wondered, you know, is this something that we can make a difference and change for children? Just to provide some sort of, you know, dignity, hope, encouragement. So um, fast forward a little bit. We had two boys that we fostered for two years. Um, we made the difficult decision to not adopt them and transition them into a home that didn't already have five children. <laughs> And um, we needed a little bit of a break, but I still had this idea of what about these kids that keep coming into care and they have nothing. Um, so just kind of getting organized in my brain, had quite a bit of a, um, encouragement from friends and family and presented this idea of hope packages and thought if we could just work with our agency where we're licensed, if we could provide like 75 first night bags a year to their kids, that would be awesome. So, um, put that idea out there, people were super excited. They said, these are easy things we can do. We can get a new backpack, new pajamas, socks, underwear, toiletries, things like that. And um, our house started <laughs> filling up with backpacks. And um, finally, we made that first initial delivery. The agency was super excited. We kept getting things coming in and um, realized that we were gonna grow fast. And so we quickly became a nonprofit. Um, again, that speaks, I think, volumes because then you're having businesses more interested, churches, organizations, anyone. And um, so, yeah, that was November of 2015 that we started. Um, 
and we have grown significantly, um, which is exciting. I wish there wasn't a need for it, but there is. And so since then, we have actually been able to um, provide these backpacks for almost 4,000 kids in Michigan. We're working with um, 21 counties now and 24 different agencies. So when we get these things put together, we get them to the agency. We like to set them up. So when maybe a sibling group comes in, not just one kid gets something, but they have sizes, every size, preemie for little, little babies that are removed at the hospital all the way through teens. So we do any size imaginable. Um, and so we're excited. So if the agency has space, we fill them up. And then they just reach back out to us and say, Lisa, um, I need this size, this size, can you help? We put it together and drop it off again. So we're really excited that we can do that. Um, you know, we've heard things like a five-year-old was excited to get his very first toothbrush. So, you know, when you hear stuff like that, you're like, huh, my little bubble, you know, it's busted. And uh, you, you hear things, you know, that you you can't unlearn, um, and that's just really, that's foster care, that's reality. And my hope is, is that you realize that, yes, fostering is hard. Um, a friend of mine says it's the hardest job you'll ever love. And um, we understand that not everybody in this room is gonna run out, get licensed, and foster, but know that when you're part of the community, you can support foster families and kids in care by first night bags, by maybe getting licensed to become respite. We just did that for a couple days for sweet little boys, okay? We knew when they were coming, they, we knew when they were leaving, and it was a great experience. I got my baby fix. So, um, yeah, so there's many ways, meals, uh, tutoring. Uh, there's just lots of opportunities to be part of the foster care system and you know help make it a little bit more of a positive experience. Um, so today I'm excited. Thanks for having me here. I'm excited for you to hear what Tiffany has to share. And yes, thank you. Yeah. They're, um, they're going to be available. Uh, they're going to be at the back just by our information area. They got some tables they'll be able to talk to you about. Uh, Lisa brought some bags that you can see what they're like. And there's, again, I just want you to get the information because there's so many different ways that you could maybe be a part. We've actually had packing nights. I think they have a picture of it where, like, our team, some of the ladies have gone out, and, and even more than just the ladies, because um, I think, yeah, there's Todd. So it's more than the ladies. <laughs> but, uh, but gone out and done packing nights and put all those things together. And it's just all of us working together and being our part. And you really have to actually sit down and think about what some of these little ones are experiencing. I know for my kids at bedtime, they have to have this specific cup, this specific blanket. Where's my cup? Where's my blanket? Where's my bunny? You're not having your bunny in bed, you know, like, a, but there's all these things. Now think of these little ones, you know, usually abruptly and quickly leaving an environment they're used to, finding themselves in a new environment that they are unfamiliar with and they don't have some of those comfort items. So how amazing, how hands and feet of God is this for them to be able to show up and say, hey, we got you, we love you, God loves you. And, and so again, what an amazing, you know, some may say small, but, but huge, really, in its impact. And um, so I'd love for you to definitely follow it on social media. Consider the ways you can be praying and connecting with it. And um, again, she'll be out there at the end to talk to if you want to know a little bit more. All right, Tiffany. This is Tiffany from Michigan Fosters, everyone. Hi. Thank you for having me. Um, thank you for all of your support that you've already uh, provided for us. Though, is it one-to-one? One for one, um, and then um, 
the meals that you have provided to us as well. Um, so my name is Tiffany Crocker. I am the president of the board for Michigan Fosters. We are a very new nonprofit organization. Uh, we, I think we got our 501c3 in January of this year. Um, we really just hit the ground running. Um, so much of how we, our philosophies and, and, and the uh, areas of action that we're taking has to do with just personal experiences um, of mine and the other members of the board. And so um, I wanted to tell you a couple stories to go into really how we got to where we are. Um, you know, it's not always easy stuff to listen to, but I think it's really important. Um, but first, I want to introduce you to my family. So my husband, Andrew, and I, we have five daughters in our, I call it our core group. Um, we do emergency foster care throughout the state of Michigan. So sometimes I have eight kids. Usually when people ask me how many kids I have, I say, well, today I have five, <laughs> you know, that little, that little bit there. Um, so we have three biological daughters, and we have been blessed through adoption through the foster care system. Um, and then we currently have two little, two little guys, which are kind of, we weren't expecting. Um, we do the emergency here. Our our target range currently is 10 to 17. So um, across the state, when agencies need to find placement for any um, typically teenage girls, after everybody has said no, then they come to our house. Um, so that means we sometimes get trickier placements or trickier, um, uh, we just work to move them on. You know, it's a short-term thing. Um, and so it's not typical foster care what we do, except for the two little guys. Um, and uh, Michigan Fosters is really just, it's been a labor of love by so many people. Um, we have a few programs that I'll describe to you real quickly. We have My Bundle, which is a collaboration. We really work to bring different organizations together because we recognize that we can't do everything. Um, one organization, one person, or a group of 10, we can't do everything. There's, the needs are too great. Um, so My Bundle is a collaboration between Hope Packages, my friend Lisa up here, um, Kids Belong, which is an organization located around the Grand Haven area, and Michigan Fosters. So with My Bundle, we provide immediate resources to foster families who have just received a new placement. So this could be the 10th placement for the child, but it's a new placement for the foster family. Um, they get our mitten meals, which are freezer meals. We have some mitten meal makers who so lovingly put these meals together for us um, and enable us to drop them off within hours of a new placement. We supply clothing when needed. Um, we do some school supplies and any other resources that the foster family might need. The first few days of getting a new placement is basically like having a child that you didn't have nine months to prepare for. <laughs> so, um, and a lot of our families have wide age ranges. So if they take five to 13, there's a lot of different things that you would have to keep on hand uh, to to, to care for those children in the first couple days. Not to mention enrolling children in school takes time. Getting them in counseling takes time. There's all these things that foster families have to do in the first few days. And so we try to ease that burden a bit. I already talked about the mitten meals. We also have care crates. This is targeted towards the families who have children in care. Um, so you may have heard them as the biological parents, typically is how our society refers to them. We 
we prefer to refer them, to them as mom and dad or parents with children in care. Um, we've created a space, which we'll go to on the next slide. It's called Journey Home. But uh, we've created this space where they can, families meet with each other while they're in foster care. It's basically a gathering place for families um, and people associated with foster care. So the care crates we supply, they have uh, blankets and um, like photo albums where they can work on photo albums together, activities. And they can pull those out while they're utilizing Journey Home. Journey Home is basically our biggest tool in the toolbox because it's a house, uh, but that doesn't mean that's our largest program. It's just a large space. Um, Journey Home is a newly renovated parsonage. Holland Heights Christian Reformed Church allowed us to use their parsonage, which was in a dire need of renovation. It, would, it had been forgotten for many years, but they've allowed us to use it for five years. We had many, many, many our man hours, I think over 500 is what I've heard um, from the person who organized volunteers for us. Uh, it's been a huge uh, blessing to be completed. It's a lot of work. Um, but now families from all over Ottawa County can utilize this space to visit with their kids instead of having time with them in a 10 by 10 room that's very sterile. Um, really, what can you do in that size of a room? Not much. So at this house, they, we have a full working kitchen. We have, um, we're able to have pantry packs, which have been supplied to us by Vertical Church. Um, these pantry packs are, we've received taco kits and spaghetti kits, and parents can use the kitchen to provide a real meal for their family and then sit down at the dinner table and have a real meal instead of bringing gas station food. A lot of times... I know for my own kiddos currently, their parents kind of just are in the habit of bringing hot Cheetos, pop, and things like that. But we've got taco kits and spaghetti available. Um, so it's a really amazing what happens to a child when they can see their parents providing for them in this very normal way. So that's just one reason why Journey Home has been such a blessing to us. Um, <clears throat> okay, so I'm going to ask a question. I want you all to raise your hand. How many have you? How many have heard that the foster care system is broken? A few, a lot. My kids are raising their hand. <laughs> They've heard me say it probably a lot of times. Um, so we at Michigan Fosters, we recognize yes, the foster care system needs some work. You know, whenever you leave it to government agencies, um, the state, local agencies to care for kids and, and families doesn't really work. There's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of policies. Um, you can go to the next slide. There. So we think that people, like, people are meant to care for people. Not, not heads in Lansing who've never seen these kids. They're just numbers, right? Um, when they set these policies, they're setting for a wide range of different families. But we can look at each family and we can say, okay, this is what this family needs to make this placement successful. This is what this child needs in this given time. Um, we're really able to do much more at this as being a nonprofit organization, quite honestly. Um, so we think that whenever we're able to work together with other uh, nonprofit organizations, work directly with the agencies and work directly with the families, we can get way more done. Um, like, I just want to say it again, the system was never meant to be responsible. 
for this many kids in care. So as I mentioned at the beginning, um, so much of what we're doing in Michigan Fosters is based on personal experiences. Um, so I want to tell the story of Aaliyah. She was um, a kiddo that we received uh, a while back. She had been through so much in her lifetime. She actually entered foster care at the age of 15, but really she should have been in, in care much, much sooner. Um, because of different policies, CPS was not able to remove her until the 27th call that came in regarding the abuse and neglect of her. At that point, you have to think, okay, how much did this child endure? That was her life. So when she came into care, she was placed in well-meaning families that just didn't have what they needed to support her during that time. I think she was in two homes before she came to me that she had run away. So by the time she came to me, she was a little bitter, but the, the moment I saw her, I knew this doesn't happen with every child. I mean, we've had almost 50 kids in our house, but we've had um, a handful where it's like I see them, and I don't know if it's that I see a little piece of myself or what it is, but there's that instant connection, and it's just like, okay, this is my child. I'm not just caring for this child for, for two weeks. This is my kid. And so she'd talk about the abandonment that she felt. Um, I took it upon myself to find a placement for her, which I, which I really try to do for all my kids. Um, I, can, I don't have to jump through as many hoops as some of the agencies do to find a placement. I can message my friends and say, hey, I've got this kid. She's a good kid. Will you take a chance? So I was able to locate a home pretty close. Uh, we moved her in. I grieved her, her leaving. It was hard. My heart hurt. Um, I was hopeful that our relationship would be able to continue. Unfortunately, that placement, that family wasn't able to fully support what she needed, and she ran away again. It was what she knew. If you're in an unsafe situation, run. So she, I got the call. She needed to come back. I said, absolutely, bring her in, gave her a hug. One of the first things she said to me was, I feel like garbage. I feel like trash that's been thrown out. So what I realized was is that she runs away before people can move her out. It's too much work for them. So she pushes, she runs away. That's how she controls the situation. That cycle repeated each time she came back. I feel like trash. I'm so alone. And I just remember sitting her down one day and saying, sweet girl, you are not alone. I am here for you because God is here for you, and we are here with you. I will try my best. So that's just one story. Um, through that, we recognized that people need support. We're called to this, right? And it's heavy stuff. When these, come, when these kids come in, they're great kids. And we come alongside them, and we take that burden. And we're already carrying the weight of our families and our jobs. As foster parents, we take it. Give it here. Be a kid. <clears throat> 
You can only do that for so long, though. And so while those placements didn't work out, I don't fault them. But I made it my job, again, to bring on support, to find support, to find people who can like come alongside of us, too. Because as we carry their load, we can all hold a little bit. You can go to the next slide. <laughs> okay, so here's another story. Oh, will you go back one? Okay. Um, so here's another story. As I mentioned a couple times now, so much of what we're doing is based on personal experiences. These are things that are happening right here, right here. Things that have happened in my own walls of my home. Um, so we, my husband and I, have fostered nearly 50 kids. Some have stayed and never gone. Some have stayed and left, and we wish they would have been able to stay. Um, a couple of years ago, we, um, we had two boys, two teen boys in our home, and we were very close to adoption of these kiddos. At the time, we, we had four girls, and we were very, very close to adoption. Um, we were just waiting for the state to say, yes, you can go, like, it can go to court. Like, you're good. Uh, one summer day, my daughter came to me and disclosed that the oldest, who was almost 17, had been abusing her. Literally every foster parent's worst nightmare of the details that came out. It's like, see, this is why you don't do foster care. Like, that's, what, that's kind of the response that you would get. Like, oh, that's why I would never do it. But we didn't have a choice. It was one of those things when we, we decided to become foster parents, it was like that nagging feeling. You couldn't ever shake it. God was saying, go do this. And so at that point, all you can do is obey. So when I found out of the abuse that had occurred to my daughter, my world felt broken. I felt like um, I'd lost two people. Like, my sons just died out of nowhere. Was not expecting this. Bl completely blindsided. And um, the night that the disclosure happened, we, of course, called the police. We called the law enforcement. We called CPS. We did all the things that we have to do as foster parents. We packed up their clothing. We didn't send everything. We packed up their clothing. We packed up their medications, some Unisom, so he would sleep okay that night because I knew it was going to be a tricky night for him. Packed a bag of snacks and his basketball and favorite hoodie, and I helped him get in the police car, closed the door, and I waved goodbye to my sons. I went inside. I fell to my knees. And I grieved and I cried out. It was a death, two deaths. A death of my sons and the life that I thought I would have. And in that, there was this overwhelming feeling of, like, I didn't have to ask why. Why did that occur? I didn't have to ask that. I knew, like, there's so much sin. I see, we see it every day, especially in foster care. We see this. But I wanted to know, why, why me? I followed you. Why did you bring me here? And it was through that 
you know, it was through that when, when God said to me, sweet girl, you've done good work. You are not alone. And then the days that followed, our community showed up. We had food that, on our doorstep every day. We had crafts for our kids. We really didn't need to go out looking for much. It just showed up. And I knew then how much support we really do need in foster care. I had people connecting with me, calling me, texting me, saying, we've had such hard times too, but we, could, we didn't want to share. We don't want to taint. We want to protect others from how uncomfortable this is. So I knew that Michigan Fosters would become so much more. Um, I struggled for a long time of if I should share that story or not. And what really came to me from God is I gave you this voice. This is the story. And so I didn't want the abuser to win or to prohibit any of this from happening, right? The good outweighs the sin. Um, as I went through, I myself faced a lot of, um, people who just didn't understand in that, you know, why would you keep fostering? You know, um, so we've, I've put together a list of misconceptions, um, that I really think it's important for others to know. Michigan Fosters, we really want to bring a level of understanding that's just not there from our community at large. Like, we need you to know these things. Um, and we think that once you know, once you hear, once you're kind of like, oh, then that maybe will help you if you've had, already had that stirring in your heart, right? Because if you had that stirring, there's lots of reasons to be like, yeah, but no, <laughs> I'm good. That's all right. Um, so misconception number one, got to get my list. That foster parents are saints. I heard this a lot after everything that happened and we kept going. I, I, don't, I don't know how you do it. I could never do it. Like, it's too hard. They put us up on these pedestals, and it's really lonely up there. You know, we're not saints. We are everyday moms and dads who said yes when we were called. We're not asking to be put up high, you know? We'd rather you be right beside us, honestly. Number two, um, that misconception, um, the only way to help is to foster. You know, the state of Michigan does a really good job at marketing during this month of Recruitment, recruitment, recruitment. We need more foster families. We need more people. It's the only way that you can help. And I'm like, stop. <laughs> stop saying that. Not everybody is called to foster. But as Pastor Josh said, everybody's called to do something. You're called to care. Um, 
we don't believe that everybody can foster. And I said this before, quite honestly, it wouldn't help us. More foster families, it, it wouldn't help. We need support for the foster families we have. But if you're interested, like, just let me know if you're interested in fostering. I'll always talk to you. Um, but we don't have a shortage in Ottawa County for foster homes. Maybe in the area of, of older teens, um, but we're doing okay. We just need more support for the families who are already in it, already in the thick of it, on the front lines. Like, what can you do to come along? You don't have to get licensed, not at all. And the last misconception is that people are already doing the work. There's already a system in place. There's already agencies, you know, the big ones in Ottawa County, Bethany Christian Services, Arbor Circle. They already provide counseling and support. That's kind of what people think. Um, there's so much red tape in policies to receive any type of help. You know, if you go through um, CMH, Community Mental Health, which was set up to support kids and care through counseling, psychiatry and whatnot, you're on a wait list for nine months. I don't know about you, but nine months is a long time. So we find that foster parents, is, foster parents are finding their own ways to get help. That's hard. When you get a child who's placed with you, you've got your own five children. You are now making calls. You're on the phone all day long. Sometimes it's helpful if somebody can come over and occupy littles so we can be on those on the phone making those calls um but the systems in place they don't cut it the most impact comes from people like lisa people like melissa the people involved in michigan fosters and the other organizations who don't have to report to the state or the red tape or jump through the hoops so those are the three big um, misconceptions. What I want you to take away today, um, I just want you to commit to being curious. You obviously already are. I mean, we're here, right? <laughs> um, just keep asking questions. Figure out what you can do. If you feel a stirring, ask God, what are you, what are you trying to bring forward? Where can I use my gifts? We have one um, volunteer, very committed volunteer at um, with Michigan Fosters. She felt like she was meant to do something, but she didn't. She didn't feel like it was fostering. But her family lo loves to bike, so she signed up to be our bike exchange coordinator. They help repair bikes, clean them up, get them out to kids. That's kind of a bigger job. Smaller ones that are um, less frequent are freezer meals. If you like to cook. We've got some packages that you can put together, some freezer meals. Um, just ask what you can do. There's so much. It's really never-ending. The opportunity to serve and support the foster community is huge. And so I just ask, you know, or let you know, like, which you all know, right? You've heard this many times. We are the hands and feet. We can do the work. The work is good. It's rewarding. I've experienced so much hurt. And I, I'm not going to say I wouldn't trade it. I would have given that back. But I'm moving forward. And we need people to move forward alongside us. Thank you.
people always come to this church. They say, oh, pastor, I'm coming. To, I'm looking for a church that tells the truth, that tells it the way it is. I, I, would, I, I want to come to a church where it's real and we tell the truth. And then all of a sudden when we're real, oh, pastor, that was too heavy. That was too real. You told the truth. <laughs> And uh, here's why we do these things. I, I know these are heavy. I know these are hard to listen through. Um, but here's why we do these things is because the reason the foster care system is broken, the reason they're facing the things that they have to face is because the church has failed to take its place in the world. You can do a better amen than that. This is our fault. This is your fault, my fault, because our church, do you know that God's idea for how to govern and steward and lead this world is the local church? Can I get an amen? And so anything that we see as broken is actually just a place that we've forfeited or given up territory. And so we need to talk about these things on a Sunday morning, no matter how uncomfortable they make you. Amen. So, oh, I don't know. Look, it's 1201. We've gone longer than we've gone in a long time. Yeah, well, you're not the girl with 27 CPS calls waiting to find a place that can be stable. And like, I'm sorry that we're 10. Are you with me today? Because I'm actually not sorry, just so you know. <laughs> so what do we do? What do we do from here? Well, we do like the scripture says, we're all living epistles. We're all telling the stories of the goodness of God. She just shared hers and Lisa shares hers. And we're all doing our part to show the goodness of God. Um, you might be surprised, uh, but, you know, are you here today because of your Princeton degree? No. Are you here today because your Harvard degree? And I'm not trying to bang on whatever education they do have. What I'm here to say is we're normal people that love God who just say, oh, I got to be a part of that. I got to be a part of that. We can't let that happen. Are you with me? And so I don't know how you're going to be involved. We actually don't even have a slick, here's how you get involved card, except for go ask God, go back to their table, connect with them, talk to them, and see how God would have you uh, be used in this arena um, because we got a lot of work to do. And I'm grateful for, for these uh, incredible organizations, and we as a church are going to continue to support it and stand. There's a lot of things you can do in life that are fine. You can hit golf clubs straight. I just got new golf clubs Thursday. I'm excited. You can shoot a gun real good. That's good for you. You can catch a fish real good. That's all good. But at the end of the day, in the end of your life, where do you want to give your effort? And those things are all fine. But what if you could say, man, I just really gave my life to making sure no foster care kid had to deal with some of the things that are you with me today? I know you are. Let me pray. And then uh, they're going to make their way back to the tables just down their hallway if you want to chat with them. And then I got a couple announcements before we take off. So let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way that you love us, the way that you lead us. God, I pray for just more for all of these organizations, God, that you give them all that they need. I know you've gone before them, but God, I pray that you open their eyes to the ways um, that they can see all the things that you have for them. God, we speak life and fruit over it in Jesus name. Amen.